all, welcome back to the Book of Aurora podcast, podcast where we talk about Metroid. It's me, Crystal, with me as always is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. We're here to finish up Metroid Dread. We we do want to do that. It has, uh, it's been a minute. How it, It's been like a year, maybe? I have forgotten everything. <laughs> Let's let's I'll I'll start a recap of what has occurred so far in Metroid Dread. If I miss anything, jump in. Absolutely. Uh, after the events of Metroid Fusion, the Federation receives a video of a living X. The transmission came from the planet ZDR. They sent seven Emmy robots to investigate, but they lost contact with them. So instead, they hired Samus Aran, who is immune to the X, to check him out. She goes there and she gets attacked by a Chozo named Raven Beak, who beats her up and takes away her upgrades, but leaves her alive. She makes her way through ZDR and meets um, uh, Quiet Robe. That's his name, right? Yep. Yes, it is. He explains that, and this is where we need to get very precise with our language about the timeline of events. Oh, boy. Some time ago, the Toha and the Mokin tribes of Chozo uh, went to SR-388. The homeworld of the X, presumably to mine that juicy Aeon energy. They love to do it. But they 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 figured out it was Gears of War 3, and actually there's X around too. So they invented Metroids to eat the X, and the Metroids could be controlled by the Toha tribe. Yep. Mm-hmm. However, the whole thing ended up getting out of control anyway, and the Toha wanted to blow up the whole planet. Yes, they did. But Ravenbeak wanted to use the Metroids to bring order to the galaxy under his iron fist. So he slaughtered the Toha tribe, leaving only Quiet Robe alive because he can control the Metroids. True. But then he was stopped from doing his plan because one of the X impersonated his soldiers. And as he was trying to control that situation, Samus blew up SR-388. Oops. Oopsie poopsie. Then, sometime later, after Metroid Fusion, he devised a plan to lure Samus here so that he could activate her Metroid DNA. Do we know that yet? Yeah. In the game? I, I'm, I'm, I, b- I believe we left off uh, as Samus Metroid drains the Emmy, but she hasn't talked to Adam yet. Oh, she hasn't actually run into that Emmy yet. We, we left off as she was confronting the beast out of the uh, test tube. The last okay. uninfected creature. Okay. What's up with this beast, Cameron? It is, um, to the best of our knowledge, the last living uninfected creature on ZDR. And when Samus confronts it, she reflexively pulls out the Metroid hand and is about to drain it as it's staggering around. But she stops and she stares at her hands and goes, Wait, what the, what the fuck is happening? Why am I acting like this? I... That's not me. And then she shoots it. She shoots it with her big handgun. And then it falls over dead. And she stops and she stares at her hand for another second. And while she's staring at her hand, the perspective shifts and it pulls out. And Ravenbeak is watching her on the video monitor. He's so happy. He's he's pretty happy, but it's hard to tell through his armor. His armor doesn't really let us see very good. So Samus understands on some level what's going on with her, but she is trying to stick to the path of the human bounty hunter rather than the ultimate warrior. Even though she's like 15% human at this point. Yes. I don't... Looking at her... Looking at her hand, I can tell she's confused. A bit confused. And maybe she held back initially, 
But is she, like, upset by it? Um, maybe not upset, but she's definitely confused. Because this doesn't last for very long. No, 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 no. She doesn't uh, spend very long worrying about the goings-on with what's happening here. And yeah, pretty it's... quickly, subsequently, there's a Chojo soldier, and she fights it and eats it. A Jojo soldier. Chozo. Yes. <laughs> you were saying, Crystal? <laughs> yeah, I was saying it. Samus reads to me like she had acted on pure Metroid instincts. Then at the very last second, her human training took over. And yes, she was very confused about what she was doing. And she took a few seconds to process it before deciding, I will shoot with my gun like a human. It seems like she has... In that moment, we don't see it acting, but she has fully developed the Metroid organ, so to speak. What allows them to drain the life force or the ether from their enemies. Good thing it's in her hand. Where else would it be? Where else would it be? Mouth? Why would it be there? There's no claws on your mouth. (laughs) The, The claws are teeth. What? No. The Metroid's little claws are teeth. I'm not following. It would be so much better if Samus took off her helmet and it was a Metroid head and she bit people. <laughs> she just had a Metroid for a head? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, would, would that be better? I don't know. Like, I've seen some art of Metroid hybrid Samus that looks pretty good and it's got a lot of body horror elements to it. I don't know about her just taking off the helmet and there's just a Metroid under there. It'd be sick. It would- I think some alien or uh, monster fans are sad. That's probably true. But we'll talk about them later because their shit does come up <laughs> not too far from now, actually. So um, for, for, for our serial listeners or for our binge listeners, I guess, just for clarity's sake, we're recording this episode like a year later. It's we Father's Day. We the trailers. <laughs> They put out a Zelda game. We had a plan to record this, but then they kept releasing Zelda trailers. Yeah. They did. The bastards. And then Zelda came out and we all played that. Yeah. And after we finished Zelda, we were like, well, we want to record a Zelda episode. But Crystal, the responsible one, was like, no, listen, listen, we should really finish Metroid Dread. And I was like, okay, I guess we have to finish Metroid. All of my Metroid facts were pushed out of my head by Tears of the Kingdom. But I would like to note that this is a fortuitous day. Why is it a fortuitous? Because it's Father's Day. Yes, we're here to talk about Matt. Sa- <laughs> Samus's five dads. I'm stumbling over my words because there's an echo, and I'm hearing Cameron's voice twice. But yes, Samus's five dads. Wait, I thought. Wait, lo- can you name the five dads? I can think of three. Oh, g- give us your three, Crystal. Uh, well, there's Raven Beak. Right. There's what, uh, what were the names? Old, Old Bird, and what was the other one? Gray Voice. Gray Voice. Who else? Well, there's Adam Malkovic. Oh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> and I guess her, also her biological father. Uh-huh. Her, her biological father, yes. And depending on how you feel about very close, loving relationships with uncles, you could also say that Quiet Robe is one of her dads. Hmm. I think that one's an uncle. Yeah, I think Quiet Rub's a dad. Well, rip to him in any case, because he's dead as shit. Five is a lot of dads. Five is quite a few dads. It's more than the average. The average is probably like 1.8 in this universe, and she's got five. Yeah. She's also five different species. 
Is she? She's four different species. She's Chozo, Human, Metroid, and X. You are what you eat. That's true. Yes. She's also eaten Emmy. Oh, uh, that comes and later. Emmy. But that does happen. And she's a cyborg. That's a species. <laughs> she does. She have lots of robot parts. I guess it is kind of like her suit has fused to her body. Is that? Listen, is me- oh right? I forgot that the when I su- before this call started or before the recording started, I suggested to Crystal and Monica that given how little of the game was remaining, we might be able to wrap this up in under an hour. But then it occurred to me we have to talk about the timeline placement of Metroid Dread. Is Metroid Dread a sequel to any other Metroid game? Is it a sequel to any other Metroid game? Does it have its own bubble continuity, or <laughs> does it does it fuck around and try to unite all the continuities for the rest of the games? Well, well, I guess I guess we're going to get to it. Um, Monica's having a little bit of trouble with this recording setup. Crystal, give me just a second. I'm going to look for an alternative for her to be able to listen without the echo. Okie doke. So I'll take about thirty seconds. Now, what were we saying about Metroid? Samus awakened her Metroid DNA. That's true. Got the Metroid organ in there. This is what Ravenbeak was aiming for all along. And then when she fights an Emmy, the last Emmy, she doesn't hesitate anymore. She sucks the life out of that thing. It, it is worth noting that this last Emmy goes really, really hard on trying to kill her. I don't. Does she talk to Adam before this between the, between the uh, creature and the Emmy? No. Okay. No. So this is by far my favorite Emmy encounter in the game. I really like the wave beam Emmy because it shoots you through a wall, and that's great. But this one, you're just walking along, and then there's this enormous explosion that destroys everything around you because this is the power bomb Emmy. That is great. It is. And it gets all up on Samus, and it's like, I'm going to get you. And Samus is like, I'm a Metroid, and it tries to stab her. She does kind of hesitate here too, I think. Yes, yeah, so the Chozo fight is the one where she just seemed to let loose on the Chozo soldier. And this one seems like she's kind of accepted this as a tool that she has. Yeah, the, the Emmy gets up on her and she counters it in the face when it goes after her. And that's, I think, the second counter in the game that you can't miss because it's just baked into the cutscene. And when the Emmy is staggered backwards, she sees that her hand is doing the it's time to eat something glow and she stares at it and she's like do i do i want to do this part and then the emmy gets all back up and is like okay you forgot about me and it puts her on the ground and then it does the face stab but the face stab doesn't work because she grabs it with the metroid hand and uh that it it's this sequence to me suggests a lot of different things because as she drains the emmy one it kills the emmy but two we also get cuts to the central processing unit freaking out and having its energy drained, which implies, one, that we were right about the central processing units and the Emmys having, like, a connected relationship. So the Emmys may not originally have been under the control of the central processing units, but also <laughs> that Samus can drain something's life through Wi-Fi. She has Metroid Wi-Fi. She has Metroid Wi-Fi, and if you're on the network that she's draining, uh, you're just fucked. If you piss her off on Twitter, she can drain <laughs> you through Twitter. It's like, you know those cartoons where people reach through a phone and choke the shit out of the person they're talking to? It's like that, but real. Yes. 
That's exactly what it is. I think it might also be the central processing units are probably what was created by um, Quiet Robe to control the Emmy because we discussed how it doesn't make sense for a exploratory robot to be limited to a very narrow area. Yes. So they're probably controlled, but also shielded and maybe energized by these processing units. Yeah, the processing units are giving them the Chozo powers. Yes. Otherwise, they wouldn't be so much of a danger to Samus. And Samus eats the Emmy and the CPU in one go and stares at her hand and is like, yeah, all right, I accept this, as she clutches her hand into a fist in a real cool hero moment as the camera comes back into focus on her face. Do you think she's energized? Like, does she feel full? I think so. Has she eaten? Yeah. Yeah, I think she's eaten. I think she's been feeling hunger, and now it has been sated. I think that she uh, has definitely had a good snack. And I th- it might even heal her if she goes into this cutscene with low health. I don't quite recall, but that would make sense. It would make sense. I, I don't recall either, though. And then she's immediately attacked by a Chozo soldier, and she beats its ass. And for the first time, when she... Actually, is this the first Chozo soldier she's attacked by? Not the very first one. Right, but the way that she finishes... Oh. This is the first one that she finishes she it. Yes. Because previously, she'd have to, like, break them open and shoot them and then eat the X when the X came out. But this poor bastard, she just, like, grabs it by the head and drains it directly. And it's, like, clawing at the ground and scrabbling and shit. And she's just draining and draining and draining. And then when she clenches her fist, it refills all of her ammo and her uh, health. I mean, she was going to eat it anyway. Or the X. Yes. It's it, it's just interesting to me. The way that that cutscene is set up. And then she finishes eating the Emmy. Like, the whole physicality of it. It's made of the strongest stuff of, in the universe. That can only be destroyed by, like, mocking shit. And she just goes over and reduces it to atoms by putting her hand on it. She obliterated that Chozo soldier because he interrupted her meal. Yes. It's a very rude thing to do. What are you thinking, Monica? I was thinking, like, it's like a a bird landed on your plate and then you eat the bird. Yeah, then you eat the bird. (laughs) And then you eat your your, your chicken sandwich. It's like that time that you were at the uh, theme park and a seagull stole a french fry directly out of your mouth. Yes. Except if you had reached up and bitten its head off and drank its blood. I did not. <laughs> but you thought about it. You it swung at the damn seagull. thing as it was retreating. Yeah. It's the only time I've seen Monica react physically in anger before she realized what she was doing. It, the fry was in my mouth. And then it wasn't. <laughs> That's so rude. I know. It's a very rude bird, the seagull. <laughs> But that, that's that's what this was. That that Chozo soldier was a seagull, and Samus uh, ripped its head off and drank all of its blood. Oh, did you find your notes? No, this is my new notes. New notes? They look exactly the same. You just don't like my handwriting. No. I love everything about you except for that one thing. We all have that one thing. It's time to Sam, talk to Adam. It's time to talk to Adam again. He's so proud that, that Samus has awakened her Metroid DNA fully. He's like, oh, you did it. Oh, this is good stuff. I can't believe you're such a huge badass, but you're still probably not able to fight Ravenbeak, to be clear. And he explains that Samus's Toha genes prevented her from becoming a Metroid before because they naturally pacify 
her Metroid DNA. Uh, but uh-huh. when she fought the Ravenbeak, the encounter it activated her uh, <laughs> her uh, the other tr- the Machin genes. Yeah, starting this process. And she has Machin genes definitely because of her physical prowess. Yes. Which is very dismissive. It is very dismissive. It's almost as if Adam is talking in some kind of way that's all about uplifting the Machine and Ravenbeak and all those cool guys with eight packs. Okay, but it's not, it's not just him. This is encoded into the story that genes are very important and determine your behavior. There is a lot in here about biology and hormonal balances and how we have to be mindful of the way that they shape our capacities. I think it's just also inherently paternalistic, though. It's like, you got this from, you know, the people who contributed your DNA. Uh-huh. Not yes. you. It's not something intrinsic to you. I, uh, I, no, that guy. That guy did it. That guy who's so cool and handsome. Can we talk about that line, Metroids are programmed to identify Machin as enemies? Hmm. It seems a little Why bit out there. Why would they be programmed to do that? It, 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 it's really weird because when the Maquin show up on SR388, the Toha seem very happy to see them. Oh, oh, I think I get it. What? I don't. What do you mean? They're not actually programmed that way. That's a lie that Quiet Robe told Ravenbeak to keep him from trying to rebuild the Metroids directly. That they would be programmed against the Maquin. Yeah, it's like, if I just rebuild them as they were, they'll automatically kill you. You can't control them because they hate you. You would need some kind of medium for their power. So get get Samus Aran over here? Uh-huh. Incidentally, no, she can't stop you. She would never be able to stop you. That, do- that doesn't happen. She, do- she doesn't have a habit of blowing up planets that she inherited from her Toha parentage. That's a pretty good reading of it. My way to make sense of it was a bit different. I was thinking that the the images that we get about the Machin showing up on SR388 was a bit abbreviated. So they might be, have been initially welcomed, and then they shot the Toha in the back. But some Toha might have survived that initial outburst and then set the Metroids loose. Oh, yeah. You- yes, my interpretation is similar to Monica's, where... The uh, the Toha, as a peace-loving tribe, do not fight directly. They just use bioweapons to do the fighting. And part <laughs> of the war between the tribes was them using the Metroids as weapons. Mm. That makes sense. Actually, Crystal, yours makes a lot more sense. So that would mean as soon as the Metroids were coming out, the Toha were like, yeah, we don't trust the Machin. We're just going to set this initial program in that they're going to, you know, if the Machin come around... Metroids are going to eat them. <laughs> but they didn't expect the Machin to attack and then kill all of them anyway. Meanwhile, the Metroids are, you know, having babies. Metroids do enjoy doing that. That is one of the things that they enjoy doing. Why do these two groups hate each other? One loves peace and one loves war. So they're the Jedi and the Sith. Yeah, they're not so different after all. <laughs> they're two different sects of the same culture, essentially. The, the peace-loving Toha... Simply want to use their bioweapons to kill the indigenous species of SR388 so that they can mine the planet. That sounds correct. I was going to say it's like a nerd and jock thing, but like where the nerds are evil scientists. Yeah, Attack Valley nerds. (laughs) Yeah. Now, just to be clear for our listeners, we understand that that's not the intention behind the Toha. 
It's what they put in the text. It's in the text, but it's not the intention. Like, they they were going down there to study peacefully. They weren't going to strip mine the planet, though they did honeycomb it with thousands and thousands of miles of tunnels. And, and, and harvest Aeon. And harvest untold amounts of Aeon. It seems like they were strip mining the planet. <laughs> and they introduced a, a foreign animal to the ecosystem, which threw it completely off balance. Yes. They are definitely, um, they are very exploitative of the natural world. In contrast to the Chozo of Talon Four, who tried to exist in uh, harmony with the natural world while interfering with it as little as possible. The part that always confused me is that SR388 seemed, because the X wasn't in Sakamoto's mind at the start, it seemed relatively in balance as an ecosystem. If the X were there and eating things, it seemed like within reason, like not everything on the planet was an X. Yeah, I don't actually quite understand how that works. Like when we found out that the whole thing about the X and the Metroids only works if they're both indigenous to the planet and the Metroids are keeping the X in check. Right. What do you make of that, Crystal? Um, I mean, there are species on Earth who don't have predators, but they're still, like, in, in ecological balance. That's true, but as soon as the X get out on ZDR, they kill everything on the planet within, like, 45 minutes. I have a theory. The X are sapient, and they took the Metroids and this Chozo incursion as a, a giant, uh, I was gonna say human threat, but... Uh, species-wide threat, so that now they're waging war. They're actively... Okay. okay. I like this. I kind of do, too. So they're they wa- kind of seem to be sapient in the text. They they are clearly sapient. Like, they... But they don't necessarily override the intelligence of whatever they're infesting. This is, this is something I do remember wanting to talk about a year ago. We're at the right part of the game to talk about this. It started in Metroid Fusion when they possessed the body of that one scientist and used that scientist to fuck up the life support systems all over the station. Mm-hmm. But in this one, we also get the thing where the Chozo soldiers are clearly just X-infested monsters, but they're still loyal to and respond to the commands of uh, Ravenbeak. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think, what if... Their sapience doesn't necessarily override the sapience of whatever they attack. It's a negotiation. Crystal, have you ever read Animorphs? Oh, God. I have read some Animorphs, yes. Yes. I would posit that they're sort of Yurk-like. That makes a lot of sense to me, especially since um, it's definitely encoded into this series at this point that your genes have a big influence on your behavior. Crystal, could you... Do our listeners a favor and describe the Yerks for them. Oh, I don't know if I remember them well enough. I know they shapeshift. Okay. They, they, uh, they're little parasites. I can I can give an overview. From what I remember from reading this in grade four, four to six, uh, the Yerks are slug-like creatures that can tunnel into uh, another species' host body and basically take control of the nervous system. It is a bit more difficult for more advanced peoples. Um, they inherit and can, can uh, load up memories, like reading a book. Um, when they were on their planet, there were only like very low species to, to inhabit. 
And when they sort of spread across the universe, there was a whole multitude of bodies, including ones that could shapeshift. I think the interesting thing to, of the books I never got to is that uh, the majority of Yurks don't want to wage a cosmic war. They, they do sort of want to just inhabit uh, some bodies. And no, 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 wait, they got the ability to morph afterwards. You're right. And that sort of satisfied, you know, their need to, to want to interact with the universe on a more... Um, they're not just slugs in pools. Yeah, they're not slugs. <laughs> but they don't want to, like, control another body. But even in situations where they did, you could ostensibly have some sort of a, a negotiation with the host body that the mind is still conscious. So there's people who, like, or Yerks who completely overrode what their host was doing, but others that... It was more like a collaboration, shall we say. So, the natural state of the X on their homeworld kind of seems to be like they're the guardians of the life stream that is the Aeon. Guardians, no huh. less. Could you expand on that? Well, maybe not guardians, but like little solid bits of Aeon that have will and that, you know, have a sense of self-preservation. They want to protect the planet. Being that Aeon is really on, only on that planet. Well, it's in Samus too. It, it's in Samus now. Yeah, we, we mentioned in the last episode, Crystal got into it, that Aeon was like the life stream of SR388. Yes. But it also seems to exist in other places. Like other planets also have their own life streams. Oh, okay. I was going to say, is it tied to the X in any way? Or a result of the X and how they function? It, what? They never directly tie it to the X, but it kind of seems like it, right? They're both underground on the same planet. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's enough here to think that, like, the Metroid life cycle happens due to the X. And Aeon seems to be tied to the X. And Samus has her own internal supply of Aeon. Not during Metroid 2, uh, Samus Returns remake but during metroid 5 metroid dread after she eats a bunch of x in metroid 4 metroid fusion yes i would posit this is a reach but when the x are consuming other lives and their bodies they're they're taking in some sort of i don't want to say cellular memory but certainly i mean that's clearly a thing in this setting cellular memory after of the the host body and through this consumption, perhaps something is left behind, which is Aeon. My thought about that, though, is that you can produce Aeon in Samus Returns by countering your enemies and defeating your enemies. So all living things on SR388 seem to have Aeon. Hmm. Now, it could be that all living things on SR388 have um, a certain degree of symbiosis with the X. Like, they're just, on the most microscopic level, they're like almost omnipresent microbial yes. life that aren't actually dangerous unless they appear in too large numbers. Right. Oh, shit. Crystal, do you think that the X could have, like, hive intelligence? Like, the more of them gather, the smarter they are? I could see something like that. You're kind of suggesting that they're mitochondria. Yes. Kind of, yeah. Let yeah. And in Fusion, when you're fighting a lot of the bigger X bosses, there's, like, tiny X around it. Yeah. And in, in, in Dread, too, we get instances where really gigantic hives of X are able to do much more complex thinking and actions that aren't anticipated by Quiet Robe or Ravenbeak. They're sapient. Samus is wrong. 
They have geth type sapiens. They do seem to have geth type sapiens. Yes, for for the gamers in our audience, it is geth type sapiens. That's not rude. too smart if it's one of them, but pretty smart if it's a lot of them. Yeah, and planetary threat if it's enough of them. But that also means are they or is this the kind of thing where a strong enough will can simply persist through an X infection? Like, can there be an impression? Because the mind is a physical thing in this setting. It's encoded into your cells, into your brain, into your very DNA. Could it be that a particularly strong mind can affect the X and affect their um, collective voice the same way that the X affect each other? So if we view the X as like mitochondria, and the process of an X infection is basically that they're going into each one of your cells and becoming part of the structure of the cell, then that would make sense. Because all those existing cells and brain structure is still there. That does make sense. And they even if they do it in the really destructive way that they do it in fusion, where they're like reduce something to a skeleton or even just to goo and then rebuild, they have all of the cellular information to rebuild something from the ground up exactly as it was when necessary. Like, they don't do that with, like, frogs. They turn them into big spike monsters. But with Quiet Rope, he's rebuilt exactly as he was. Adam reveals himself. That's true. I, I, I just wanted to touch on the fact that there's a whole bunch of Chozo soldiers who are still loyal to Quiet Rope, even though they're clearly X. And now we have a sense that maybe the X themselves are loyal to, to Ravenbeak at this point. I mean, I guess sticking with him is the best way off this world. But... Chozo also have telepathy. So is it more that because they rebuilt these brain structures that allowed Chozo to communicate with each other, he can control the ones who are shaped like Chozo because they've built that vulnerability into themselves? That could be the case. That they could did. be a case that they're also playing with him. Oh, you think that this is just their way of getting close to him to eat his ass? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 uh, Adam lets Samus know that uh, Ravenbeak is waiting for her in Hanubia, which is this giant fucking air fortress flying above the planet. And Crystal, what happens up there? It's not Hanubia. Isn't it? He, Hanubia. Hanubia is the, the surface level. Oh, it's, it's above right Hanubia. There. Okay. So Itorash. Itorash. Crystal, what happens in Itorash? Ravenbeak reveals himself that he's been Adam the whole time, and actually he's Samus's dad. He's injected his DNA into teenage Samus. How did that happen? <laughs> oh, <okay>. She was... <laughs> so they don't really get into it. They kind of just expect you to know what Samus's general backstory is. But we see teen Samus floating in the tube and Ravenbeak observing her ominously. <laughs> as we see that Ravenbeak's arm DNA is in Samus's hearts because they're highlighting both the arm and the hearts. Uh-huh. Is it the gun arm? Yeah, it's the gun arm. So what, what 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 do we take from all this, Crystal? That's why she's the ultimate warrior. Because she has mocking genes is what that that's clearly how Ravenbeak sees it. Ravenbeak Not just mocking genes, but the genes of the biggest, baddest mocking. Oh, that's true. He is the biggest and the baddest of the mocking. And he also reveals that the whole everything on ZDR that he was able to control was all done just to awaken Samus's Metroid powers. Samus might not have known why, but she knew this wasn't Adam. He's not finishing things with lady. lady. <laughs> He's he, talking weird. He's not doing that affectionate 
I can kind of tolerate it misogyny. <laughs> no, he respects women too much to fool Samus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It, it is really satisfying when she shoots Adam, even if it's not really Adam. It really is the brilliant part of this game. At least, you know, it's exactly, I fell within the trap. I didn't want to focus on Adam because of Other M, and therefore they tricked me for, for quite a while. I, I think that in the shot here, we're seeing they are focusing on Samus's heart and, Rave, and Ravenbeak's heart and Samus's arm and Ravenbeak's arm. So I think she might have gotten her gun arm from him. Hmm. And there's some DNA in there. Also, you could kind of see uh, Gray Voice and Old Bird in the shadows in one of these shots. Yep. So those two are canon now. They're real. They were always canon. They were always canon. Now, Crystal, I know that it's been about a year, but what did you think of the big Ravenbeak boss fight? Uh, it was fun. I thought it was a pretty good boss fight. You died a bunch of times. I did. I died a bunch. It was a tough one. I got a little frustrated with it. Yeah, if, if you know exactly what to do, you can take him out without getting hit. But uh, until you figure that out, the, the, the trial and error is a fucking nightmare. I watched I like a boss. I like a boss fight when I have to figure out its pattern and then I can do it. But sometimes you figure out the pattern, but you just can't do it. Oh, did you have one of those experiences? Uh-huh. Oh, that's hard. Monica watched me do it, and after watching me fail like 15 or 16 times, she managed to beat him on like her third try. It's Monica's good when you have someone gamer. doing the trial and error. Monica was the Metroid all along. <laughs> yes. The, now, the setup to this is really great because they're, again, playing on other M and hyping you up. Like, Ravenbeak's all like, submit and like, serve me and follow my orders and I'm like, hey, this is all familiar text. It is very much a specific response to Other M, I think. <sighs> a lot of this game is a specific response to Other M. Mm-hmm. They had a series of meetings about it. And one, one thing that about this um, fight is that instead of having a moveset that he shares with other Chozo soldiers, Ravenbeak has a moveset that's partially his own, but also shares a lot with Samus's moveset. He flash steps. He does. Got a giant gun arm. He has the big gun arm that he uses a lot. His style is as close to hers as it's possible to be without being the SAX. Would you want he him is in the Smash? new Dark Samus? Would you want him in Smash? Hmm, he'd be pretty cool in Smash to replace Dark Samus. Yes, I'd take him over Ridley, honestly. That'll upset the Ridley fans. I will accept their ire. Yes, because Ridley should not be as central to Metroid lore as he has become. Because he's not really central to the lore. He's just central to a couple of the writers and how they view Metroid. I, I he was the leader of the Space Pirates for some time. Uh, I Kinda, I guess. Before they retconned that. Yeah, they gotta retcon that a little bit. Well, that's the thing is that Metroid has changed a lot over the years. And Ridley did used to be important. He, he was the enforcer back in Super Metroid. He's the guy that got sent out to do shit. But he's also the one that Samus has a very personal vendetta against. Okay, look, we've already established that for most of the series, the manga wasn't real. But it was for the fans. 
a, a Japanese... Oh, I hate that manga so much. Have we talked about that goddamn manga? We have to have a manga episode. No, we don't. <laughs> do y'all want to have a... Ma- yes, we do. Now nah, it's got brought up. Ooh. Oh, look. I really want to do a Zelda manga episode because I think those manga are genuinely good. They're unique and different from the games. They don't serve as replacements for them, but they're, they're fun stories on their own. But the Metroid manga, I think, is important as a way to understand what happened to this series. Yeah, the friction we've been running into with the Book of Aurora is that so much of Metroid is defined by paratext that's not actually in the games. And we've just been looking at the games where the Chozo have not even existed until Metroid 5. Yeah, that's true. Ridley is just a boss and doesn't seem to be, like, important. Nope. Or sapient. Yeah, but if you're informed by the paratext, by the websites, by the role-playing game, post-by-post uh, po- post role-playing game from the 90s, by the manga, then you have a very different view of Metroid. That's true. It's I, You're right, Crystal. Coming from Zelda, it's different because you can get all your necessary understanding of those games just from the games, except for the first two. But Metroid... Metroid's a little different in that... If you look strictly at the text of Metroid, you will conclude that no Metroid game is a sequel to any other Metroid game. I, that still might be true. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's still possible. Because when they were made, that was definitely true. The, the authors had no idea what the fuck they were doing. Super Metroid was a retelling of Metroid that also kind of had sequel to Metroid elements in it. Anyway, that's Tears of the Kingdom. We'll get to that later. (laughs) Oh, God, the Tears of the Kingdom episodes are going to be something else. You know, in a way, Book of Aurora was good training for Tears of the Kingdom. I'm glad you think so. Hey, hey, you two decided, and I'm unable to to outvote you. I have no veto power also. That when we do the Tears of the Kingdom episodes, we're going to talk about the the necessary events chronologically uh-huh yes yay so everybody list within the sound of my voice should know ahead of time if you don't want tears of the kingdom spoilers watch out we would say that at the start of yes the i know i'm just thinking about it because covering that game chronologically are you sure we can't do it chronologically from zelda's perspective i'm sure it's very important that we go through the full chronology. We did That's that for Breath did of the Wild. That's how we did it before, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is how we did it in Breath of the Wild, and it's probably how we did it in Skyward Sword. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We can continue. They fight. These, they fight. Uh, look, how fucking sick was it, though, when Samus tore off one of Ravenbeak's wings, and he looks at it and goes, huh, and then tears off his other wing? That was so cool. That was so fucking cool. Are those his actual wings? I I guess he kind of establishes that Chozo have wings. Yeah, Chozo, I guess, have wings, even though their faces are largely hairless. I guess their bodies have have not hair. I mean, there's plenty feathers. of uh, birds who don't have feathered heads. Okay, but he also, has full wings. We know they are into some weird genetic engineering. This could be a unique feature of Ravenbeak. Hmm. That would be pretty sick. It would make a lot more sense than, like, tearing off one of your arms that you can't really replace because it's an arm. (laughs) Yeah. But even if it's just an actual limb that he has, he still tears it off, and it's still pretty sick. And watching the shots of this fight, I still appreciate 
how much they let you shoot during the cutscenes, so it's never boring to be in a cutscene. Yeah. More video games should do that. Let me keep shooting. Do you think it might be a jetpack? <laughs> it could be a, a, an organic jetpack. Yes. When, when he's fighting you at the end here, uh, Ravenbeak sure does have the hyper beam. Uh-huh. I think the implication, well, it, it's not really an implication. It becomes pure text by the end of this fight. So, we, Crystal, what happens when the fight ends? Samus closes her eyes and then really, really, really awakens as a Metroid. She acquires the Metroid suits because her body has become Metroid and she's able to overpower Ravenbeak. I feel like you're skipping some <laughs> things here, Crystal. Dial it back. Go back to the part Wait. where we get to the end of the fight and it re it, it re goes. It's mid-fight. It, the fight's still going on. No, it's it's the end of the, the end fight. of the the controlled fight. But it's like they're still going at it. But then Ravenbeak does the dash step throat grab that he does at the start of the game. Yes. He explains that he doesn't need Samus anymore because now he can uh, clone Samus, the most powerful Metroid in the galaxy, with her DNA. And that, that's so interesting to me because it, it, he could have cloned her at any point. Like there was plenty of places where he could extract her blood. He could have done that while she was unconscious at the start of the game. But what he really needed was the process by which to awaken the Metroid organ in the Samus Aran creature. Proof of concept. Proof of concept. Um, she's trying to eat him the whole time, but her hand is a little bit too short. He's got longer arms. And he's choking her, and does that just go through the suit, or... He's really strong. I'm sorry, Crystal. Please continue from this point. He's really strong. And it seems like he's he's choked Samus to death, but then she wakes up, and she's a Metroid. Her armor transforms? Like, it's no longer the power armor. It is straight-up Metroid-looking. She has turned into an Omega Metroid Metroid armor. Yes. I've seen a lot of art of what she might look like under there, but I'm not sure there is an under there at this point. It's part of the armor. She's part of the armor. The armor becomes part of her body is mm -hmm. what I'm suggesting. Uh, greatest voice line in the game. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good. <laughs> I love the way that this sequence cuts because when Samus is draining Ravenbeak, and he's thrashing around. And she's tossing him like a fucking rag doll. She punches his helmet clean fucking off, and he's shooting the hyper beam everywhere. It's like, he's like, get her to shake off her me. off. Get her off me. Get her off me. And it cuts out to the outside where you no longer hear her screaming. And then it cuts back to the inside, and she's still screaming. <laughs> and it's just like that is so fucking good. She's so pissed. And I she's draining so hard that she drains power from the entire fortress, so it crashes. Yes, because the Ravenbeak was getting his power from the flying fortress. Unfortunately, that Wi-Fi connection yes. means that Samus is also draining that. It is the same power connection as with the uh, the Mother Brains. Yes. Also, um, it may have been linked into the systems keeping the planet stable, because that was a serious fucking load-bearing <laughs> battleship. So the, the the Metroid suit has to be her final smash in the next Smash game. Yeah. It's, um, hmm. It looks very biological. Yes. She's got little, like, fangs outside of her gun arm. Yes, there are Metroid fangs on the gun arm. And really, the talons at the end of her fingers are shaped like teeth, too. The only thing that separates her from most uh, Metroids is that her helmet 
has a very avian shape to it now. Yes. It's almost a more rounded Chozo face, only Metroid. It kind of looks like the Doom armor. You think? Crystal, do you think? Yeah, it does kind of look like the Doom armor. Of the Doom guy? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, the Doom guy. Yeah, it kind of looks like the Doom guy from Doom 4 2016. Okay, I can kind of see it. Then we have a Jello boy. A Jello boy, which is purple, shows up. I have theories about this Jello boy, but this Jello boy sees Raven Beak and goes, All right, I'm putting a stop to this crap. Interestingly, this is the only purple X in the series. Yes. I wonder, though, where did this X come from? Because as it possesses Ravenbeak and takes control of his body, uh, it gives him features of a couple of other bosses, the most notable of which, obviously, is Kraid, but it also splits open, and it has some features of Z57. Maybe it's just Kraid, looking at it. Mostly Kraid. But it has webbed arms. Are those what Chozo arms look like? Maybe its arms look like Ravenbeak's actual arms. Bird arms. No, people have noted its similarity to Z57. So, like, in its body shape? Because... I'm not overly... Is it the split face? Maybe. Yeah, Z57 does have that kind of shape in its face. So, I think that we never actually see the core X from Z57 die. We just see its shielded form fall into some lava. And I wonder if this might be the same one. Like, it ran off through the lava and found Kraid's corpse, which was also in lava. And then came back around and was like, all right, where's that motherfucker Ravenbeak? There he is. I think that makes sense. It acted with intents. <laughs> yes. Do do we think Ravenbeak was caught off guard by this? This was not his intent to be eaten and, and merged with this? Yeah, absolutely. His plan really went I don't went see silent. why he would want to be eaten. Yeah, I, I don't think this enhances uh, his plan to exert control over the galaxy through the Metroids in any way, because now Metroids are his natural predator. That's fair. Well, his plan really went sideways. He, he has gone through a mitochondrial awakening that he did not want. Crystal, what do you make of this whole sequence? I love a cinematic ending to a boss fight. You like the part where he's saying, like, power is everything, and Samus shoots him with a million damage weapon right in the face? It's not a cutscene. Or rather, it's a participatory cutscene. It's, fr- it's an interactive cutscene. <laughs> My favorite thing about it is that when the body vanishes and only the core X is left behind, this is the only core X in the series that Samus doesn't try to eat. She's like, there's there's Ravenbeak in there. It'd be vaguely incestuous. What? Sh- he's Excuse her- me? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm going to need you to expand on how eating that core X or eating... <sighs> Uh, Ravenbeak, which, by the way, she was already doing, would be incestuous. Please. Um, You are now under the spotlight. (laughs) Me and Crystal are on the other side of the interview table with you chained down to a fucking chair waiting to hear all about this. Uh, The ex has uh, Ravenbeak's DNA. Okay. Ravenbeak is her dad. Go on. Okay, maybe not incestuous. Maybe... (laughs) This is patricide. Yes, it's obvious. But, but, you know, eating your dad goes a step too far. Also, he's gross. Also, he's an awful dad. Four out of five dads were okay. And while 3.5 out of (laughs) five dads were okay, this one's turbo trash. You're saying you are what you eat, and Samus does not want to eat Ravenbeak, Uh because she doesn't want to be Ravenbeak. Yes. 
So instead of eating this core X, she shoots it with the hyper beam. Uh huh. And it's the only one that dies like cell in a Kamehameha. Yes, I also thought that. Yeah, of course. And Samus is like, ah, that fight's over. She's so fucking cool in the Metroid outfit. And this is probably my favorite escape sequence in the entire series. Why is that? Because you feel like a god. Anything you touch just dies. You don't even have to shoot them. You could just run into them and they explode and you automatically absorb the X that they're made of. You are the Metroid. You feel like the ultimate warrior. Can you explain to me why ZDR self-destructs? Okay, I think that the reason that it self-destructs, especially with that timer on it, if I had to guess, there's two possibilities. One, Ravenbeak had some potential uh, failure points set up where it, it uh, if he died and the, his ship was destroyed, then he was planning to blow up ZDR in the first place because it's filled with X. So it just activates. The bomb goes off. Okay. The other possibility is that the ship was hooked into a bunch of systems that would have taken care of the planet by keeping it in balance. And by knocking it out of balance, all the planet's energies are being turned against itself to explode. I think that the bomb thing makes more sense. I think that all leaders, especially uh, bad leaders in this universe, have a guidebook, which is rig a kill switch time to your life or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a little thing next to his heart. If his heart stops, the planet explodes. Okay, so it's not even something that he would need to explain because this is such standard practice. Uh huh. I mean, in Metroid. Samus is aware of it. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, okay, I'm out. And she knows that it's three minutes because, of course, it's three minutes. That's what it says in the Maukeen handbook. <laughs> really, if she had any doubts about uh, Adam being not Adam, Adam being Adam, she's well on the surface now. They could have been communicating at any point and not just at those stations, except for that, you know, her ship's being blocked or jammed. Right. That's all I got. Okay. So, Crystal... Samus manages to blast her way up out of the planet by blowing up everything with the hyper beam and smashing through shit. And she gets to her ship. And what happens? She's about to activate her ship, but a voice tells her no. Her Metroid power is too out of control. She'll just drain the whole ship of its energy. And, and then the XX uh, quiet robe appears. I, I love how the transition for those two shots is Samus staring at her hand again. She stares at her hand a lot in this game. <laughs> the, the thing that gets to me is her hand is glowy and her hand is a mouth, a Metroid mouth. Yeah. And I'm just thinking that moment, is she like regretful of being a Metroid, but also could you maybe tap it with your gun arm or your helmet, which has a pointy bit or maybe even your feet? She's thinking about it. <laughs> or, you know, is there no voice control to your ship? Clearly not. I like how she stops instantly when she hears the actual Adam's voice. Voice, in quotes. Because it's just a robot. It's that she listens to. <laughs> she listens to Adam. She's allowed She's allowed to listen to Adam one time. One time in the whole game. It was a good he suggestion. Make... It was accurate. Yes. It was not spoken in a demeaning way. He's like, hold on, please. Excuse me, miss. And then Quiet Robe, the ex, shows up and she's like, I'm gonna shoot you. But she doesn't, not immediately. She really is careful with who she shoots. Yes. She even, instead of like 
grabbing him or anything. She just motions with the gun to show that she's willing to shoot him. Yes. And he does the bow salute and transforms into an ex. And this this show of cultural respect takes her so off guard that she lowers her gun when face to face with an ex. I'm yeah, I guess it doesn't really pose a threat to her anymore or at all. But also, yeah, he's clearly Toha. Toha, intelligent and still something of himself. Yeah. That's her uncle. But is it something of himself? And then he turns into a little red jelly that willingly flies into her chest. Is it still quiet rope? What do you think, Crystal? I think it is a negotiation between the X and the memories of Quiet Robe. So what do you think is happening here? Huh. Well, I think, f- it, thinking about this from the X perspective, the planet is fucked. There's no saving the planet. It's way too late for that. But if Samus gets some X in her, she could be the last X. That That is true. That does make sense. But also, to add to that, the X really hate Metroids. They hate them. So this also, I guess, somehow cancels out the Metroid. They're killing the last Metroid. Do you think that? <laughs> do you think that the X is feeding Quiet Robe's Toha control over the Metroid side back into Samus? It must be. There's yeah. No other way that could be done aside from Hollywood magic. Okay, so the X isn't being absorbed by her in the Metroid feeding sense. It's entering into her and infusing her with itself and Quiet Robe's potential control over Metroids. So you're saying potentially the Metroid is out of her? No, no, not at all. No. I think... Okay, just controlled. Yes, just controlled. The X has... I think you might actually be right about her being part X here and that because her... She's not actively trying to eat it it is able to do a mitochondrial fusion with her. And she's safe from it because she's a Metroid, but it allows her to be infused with Quiet Robe's knowledge and control so that she can control that side of herself. The Metroid is dormant in her. Yes. And the X is gambling on how it will not reactivate. Yes. And they have eliminated the last active Metroid. Which, even though it is bad for that X individual, it means that... It doesn't have an out-of-control Metroid rampaging across the galaxy, which would probably wipe out the rest of the X, if there are more. And there is still an opportunity for the X to assert itself within Samus, perhaps. Even if that's just through a purely symbiotic relationship, yeah, that could be a way for them to continue surviving. Yeah. It's the good Yerks. Yeah, basically. These are the... the as close as we get to the X that would have had to exist on SR-388 before the arrival of the Toha. Samus is brokering intergalactic peace inside her body. (laughs) Yes. I'm imagining inside of her body, like in a comic way, and it's like every single part of this, every DNA is pushing against each other and sort of like (laughs) bulging, (laughs) like kept in check only by the other stuff trying to bulge in her body. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it's, it's a five-way war, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's like a, a pentagram in perfect balance. Egg, yeah, the X are what allow it to be in perfect balance. So it's no longer a war. It's a peace. And she is a complete person who is whole unto herself. And that she has incorporated every part of her past, including the X. I kind of like that, actually. Yeah. It hadn't occurred to me until this conversation, but that's a pretty good reading. 
There's a very... It's strange because a lot of Metroid's uh, message is like nature over nurture and that DNA has such a big impact. But when you can just inject DNA at any point, it is your lived experiences that shape who you are. I Yeah, I... I, I, I... <laughs> Samus's parents being Chozo is a lot more important than the blood she was born with because she just gets blood from everywhere. Huh. It's almost like in this series that DNA is a metaphor for lessons taught to us. Yeah. Which is a weird fucking thing to say. Also, the planet super fucking explodes. <laughs> Add that to the count. I mean, if she- you had to choose between the Machine and the Toha, which side would you take? I probably would not side with. Um, I probably would not side with the Maukeen just because Ravenbeak is like really, really, really bad. I would go with the the hippies on uh, on Talon Four, yeah, and uh, achieve Nirvana and hopefully not become a crazy Force ghost. What would you do, Crystal? I think I I would probably prefer to have a Devil's Alliance with the Maukeen because they just want to shoot people with guns and stab them with spears. That can be overcome. <laughs> But the Toha wanted to do all sorts of fucked up bioengineering, Albert Wesker stuff. Yeah. I think that's a little harder to uh, control. That's true, too. If, if if our boy Ravenbeak did ever manage to control the Metroids, though, he would be martially unstoppable in this universe. Cameron and I were talking about this just prior to the call, and I wanted to get your perspective, Crystal. When Ravenbeak is out to clone an army of Samus Aarons... Did you think the cloning would be happening, um, let's say, the traditional gene splicey way? Or do you think he would leverage the X to clone her? Hmm. We know he has control over the Trozo X, so he might believe that he could control some X Samuses. Yeah. But, but it feels safer to go with non-X Samuses. I would think so. So we think that he would clone a bunch of Samuses and then like indoctrinate these these this army of girls. Yes, he would be the most. Uh, it, it it would definitely be. I don't even know how to finish this fucking thought. Yes, he would do that. It's the feminine equivalent of the clone troopers in Star Wars. That's better than me thinking of like uh, the Street Fighter <laughs> Shadow Luke. Equivalent. See, I was thinking that. Yes. Were you too? I okay. didn't want to compare it to M. Bison directly because I called M. Bison the horniest villain in video games, and he still is. Yeah. It's like a Gemini Man. Dude. Clive Owen wants to clone a bunch of Will Smiths because he's the greatest soldier. That seems sort of horny. It's not. Oh, okay. Well, it probably wouldn't be for Ravenbeak either. But my first thought was M. Bison, and M. Bison is definitely being horny. Where were we going? Come to the end of Metroid. <laughs> all, all of the, all of the bad guys have been defeated. What could they possibly do for Metroid Six? Well, the Galactic Federation is evil. You know, the Galactic Federation is looking pretty good right about now. Pretty good for attacking, or no? It's looking pretty good compared to all the other factions. Oh well, I mean, all the other factions were. Uh, let me check. Ravenbeak. So, uh-huh. I mean. They, they still... Oh, that, that's right. You two haven't done Other M yet. That's right. Uh, that's right. So we're uh, we're going to have to do another M thing. Before we end this episode, we do have to do two things. Um, we need to 
figure out the order of operations for our next several episodes. And we need to figure out how Metroid Dread works in the larger Metroid continuity. I thought you were going to take a look at the gallery art. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Super right. Because their story. It's called the Chozo Memories. Chozo Archives. I think it's a crystal. Okay, Crystal, I'm putting this in the line real quick. Okie doke. Yep, I'm seeing it. So, could you... Well, how about uh, we go through and we'll talk about each of these. And could you could you describe Chozo Archive number one? We see Raven Beak, his gun smoking, standing over a heavily damaged Emmy. It sounds like he was able to beat it up. But it's made of the strongest stuff. It doesn't fucking matter. Raven <laughs> Beak beat its ass. He has a better gun than Samus. Yeah, that does seem to be true. Tore its arm off, whooped its ass, and broke its neck. Left that Emmy in a hell of a wreck. That is the first Emmy we see. Yeah, it is the highly damaged Emmy. So do we think that this is how the Emmy were sent by the Federation were brought to heal? Uh-huh. Yeah, it seems like it. Okay. Do we think that these images are uh, chronologically They're not chronological. ordered? They're not. Okay. They can't be, no. Okay, so this, this would actually be the closest to the game's occurrence of all the images. I think Amongst so. Them. So how about that uh, second image? We see uh, six Chozo soldiers that are restraining Kraid. It's Kraid in his room that we see in the game. One of them's falling into the lava. Arg. He doesn't have a jetpack. So what what do we make of this sequence? Like, do we think that this Kraid is a clone? Like, my, my whole thing last episode was about Kraid being a constantly cloned creature, possibly with preserved memories. That's used by Ravenbeak because Ravenbeak is behind the space pirates. Is that workable? If if they've already got cloning set up, it seems way easier to clone Kray than to try to move him. Yes. Yeah. It it definitely would be. It, it's a different Kray, definitely. Yeah, because Kray hella dies every time we see him. Yep. But this does suggest that he got Kray DNA at some point. Right. Because he's the secret leader of the space pirates? Yeah. That okay. would probably make more sense than, like, he went in and took a little scraping and then left. He's not just behind Crate. He's also behind Mother Brain, which is just a really big CPU. He's also behind Ridley, and is how Ridley keeps coming back. So he, w- he had this uh, shadow operation to try to make Metroid's... While he was dealing with X on ZDR. That was, that, that's my general idea. So when is this image occurring? Um, probably not long after Super Metroid, I guess. Okay. But that would imply that these are X soldiers. And I don't think they are X soldiers, because X soldiers would be, uh, they wouldn't be here. So this must, what the fuck? Maybe this is, like, a second crate that was created at the same time as the Zebus crate. Quiet Robe's timeline suggests that Ravenbeak was basically ready to go, and then, whoops, turns out Samus blew up SR388. Well, he was also fighting the... containing the X throughout all that shit. Right, so it suggests he had not finished the X problem until after Metroid 2. Yeah, though SR388 isn't actually destroyed until Metroid Fusion. Oh, that's right, yes. So it took that long for him to take care of the X problem. Let me bring up Quiet Robes dialoguing. Please. Uh, you can you can move on if you would like. 
Okay. Uh, image three uh, looks like it might be the predator invisible enemy Corpus. Corpus. Or possibly Z57. Corpus. Yeah, probably Corpus. Uh, and it's being engineered by Quiet Rope. Yep. Quiet Rope loves to make up fucked up monsters. <laughs> I mean, he, he has a very special talent for it, but it, it this is also in a Maukeen facility. It feels like this is something that he was doing at uh, Ravenbeak's suggestion. Suggestion. Gun bold, arms to un- head. Bold, underline, underline. Let's see. Uh, image four. This one's interesting. It shows a bunch of assumedly Toha Chozo being forced into a pool of water where some of the uh, carnivorous creatures of ZDR are waiting for them. It's basically a picture of an execution. Are they Toha? They're very uh, buff. I mean, I wouldn't say that they're that buff, but Chozo also tend to look pretty similar. If they were not Toha, why would he do this to other Maki? Punish them. Okay, so I have I have uh, Quiet Rub's dialogue. Okay. He refers to the... Er- the eradication of the Metroids, not the destruction of the planet. So that suggests Metroid 2. Okay, that does suggest Metroid 2. Crystal, in the fourth picture, do these look like Makin or Toha to you that are being executed? Hmm. I would guess those are Toha. Yeah, context tells me that they're Toha. Interesting. Because, because if he's executing other Makin, showing us that doesn't actually serve any story purpose. He's ruling with an iron fist. The Maukeen are absolutely loyal to him. I f- well, well, because he fed the rest of them to... <laughs> Monica. What? It is much simpler for these to be Toha. The Toha seemed like they were all wiped out in one fell swoop on whichever planet that was. SR388? SR388? Okay. Mm, I don't know. They were shot with their clothes on. I, I could see him taking a few... Crystal, you've got Quiet Rope's dialogue pulled up. Um... Quiet Rope mentions that he's the only survivor, but does he say where or when everyone else was killed? Let me pull it up. So he doesn't actually set a timeline for this. He says Ravenbeak took extreme measures, and you can infer that means he slaughtered all the others because he says he's the only one left alive. Right. But we don't know how long that took or with what measures exactly that was taken. Okay. I think that the simplest thing to assume is that these are Toha. I'll I'll defer. But look at their pecs. I mean, look, Nintendo loves sexy bird men. It's a fact. Metroid Dread was only the lead-in to the furry feast that we got in Tears of the Kingdom. Fair enough. I take it back. Clearly in the next picture, the the mocking are even buffer. Yeah. (laughs) Crystal, what do you see here in uh, Image 5? Uh, we see some Machine standing over a dead beast, and one of them is dressed like Hercules with a loincloth and a spear. Seems like he's the one who defeated it. That is Z-57, I think. So Z-57 was a native creature of ZDR that they killed and brought down to do experiments on to make it stronger or something before the X got to it. Do we think that that might be Ravenbeak up there? No, Ravenbeak. The, the shape is different. Ravenbeak looks different when his helmet is off. And then we get to image six. Crystal, what is image six? Ravenbeak is looking at a Chozo soldier apparently infected by the X. And all the other Maukeen are like, oh shit, oh fuck, oh god. Ravenbeak doesn't seem that disturbed just yet, but this this is where things must have gotten badly out of it. I remember 
what my idea was. Because Ravenbeak is so focused on the X that I... Th- and it took so long for him to get the X under control, even though it was just one soldier who was infected. I don't think that what happened after this point was accidental. What do you mean by that? If Ravenbeak can exert psychic control over the X who have infected the Mawkeen, I think it's possible that the act of taking control of that situation took so long because he was actively and purposefully infecting the other Mawkeen with the X. So he had absolutely loyal troops. Yes. It also made them effectively immortal. If that's the case, then I would say that he would intend to do the same with Samus. And it's important. They would also serve as a way to awaken Samus's Metroid powers. Mm. What do you think, Crystal? But why would he need to do that if he doesn't know that the Metroids are dead? Hmm. You know what? You got me. Fair enough. Toss that one in the old Garbo. There's a lot of details in this seventh image, Crystal. Why don't you tell me what's going on here? You see Raven Beacon, Quiet Robe, looking at a hologram of an Emmy. That sure, that sure is Samus's face on the left there, isn't it? Yes, that is Samus's face. What's going on there? I think he's programming it to, for them to target Samus Aaron. Oh, so it's like programming. And that DNA strand might be Samus's DNA for them to lock in on? I think so. Oh. Could also be Metroid DNA, I guess. Interesting. I would not trust anything made by the Excelion Corporation. <laughs> I was going to say, it's very important that they show the logo to credit the company. <laughs> Wayland yutani looking ass. Now, uh... The eighth image is of the Mocking soldiers on Hanubia. But I think these might already be X-infected. It's difficult to tell because the chronology of these images doesn't line up at all sequentially. So I guess this could also be before they were flying off to SR-388. I don't know. Yeah, there's spaceships. Yeah. This is in Hanubia. Yes. Hmm. But there are independent spaceships here that aren't the Isotash. Does that imply that certain of the Mockeen X could have also escaped the planet? That would be bad, but would allow for an actual antagonist for the next game. What do you think, Crystal? You think maybe that could be how he controlled the situation? He basically made a deal? Mm. Could be. Could be. Uh, though it might also have made sense for things getting so out of control that they have to destroy all the ships except for the Isatosh. It doesn't seem like they're targeting the ships here, though. No, no, no. This... It's not clear when this happens. I'm just thinking, like, when the X went out of control. If you were Ravenbeak, would you destroy all the ships? Unless I wanted to make a deal. That's true. The potential sapience of the X does make this a lot more complicated. I guess there's no real real way to know exactly what went on here. Because if he makes that deal, once he makes it, he's really committed to the Metroid plan. Because he's going to need that. Yeah. He really is. He's going to need some Samuses and also some more Samuses. This is like when the Hustler burns their house down to motivate them. Yes. And then at the end, uh, it turns out that the he didn't uphold his side of the deal enough. And then an X ate him, which was to be expected. You ended up in Parasite Eve with the mitochondria. Yep. That's it. Aside from a celebratory art with all of the Metroid characters in it. All of the mainline Metroid. Ugh. I think that this is an interesting framing because Ridley isn't given any special uh, placement in this art. No, he's just there. It is another case in which this game is an open rejection of Metroid Other M, except that Adam Malkovich is right over there. He's so huge in this image. (laughs) What's happening here? 
She's remembering her commander, Adam. Our commander, Adam. Oh, you two haven't seen that story yet. Oh, we gotta talk about Adam Malkovich, her human commander, who was like the only father that she ever had. That that's <laughs> uh-huh. a, that's a line that's in the game. I'm shoving that on hey, a separate timeline. Is Other M a remake of MGS3? Can you expand on that? Because my brain just exploded. It's kind of reminding me of a snake's relationship with the boss. Oh my god. Oh, 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 maybe. Okay. Um, the boss was also Snake's mom girlfriends. Yes, she was like mother, lover, daughter, and more than these all at once. Yes. God, I remember him using that specific phrasing. And even back in 2003 or 2004, I went, hold on, what? Can, can you repeat that, motherfucker? Do you think Sakamoto would get along with West's face? With, with Kojima? <laughs> yes. I don't know. Are they drinking buddies already? They 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 both like movies. What kind of movies is Sakamoto like? I have no idea, but that motherfucker's clearly trying to make some. Probably Alien? Yeah, clearly Alien. Though that may have been a Gunpei Yokoi thing. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Hey, um, so we should talk about our plans for the next few episodes, huh? Okay. So here's my here's my proposal. Uh huh. Next episode, mailbag. We catch up on the mail. Some of it's been sitting there a while. Okay. Then we do Tears of the Kingdom. Yay! All eight or nine episodes of it. That's probably a pretty accurate anticipation. Yeah. Then we will do Metroid Other M. How will we be doing Metroid Other M? We will have a live reaction track to us watching a cutscene compilation of Metroid Other M. Yes. And then we will have discussion episodes about Metroid Other M. And this live reaction track, maybe we can put that just on your Patreon. Just the Patreon exclusive. Patreon exclusive so that our listeners, if they want to, can synchronize it with the specific YouTube video we'll be watching. And then it'll be like they're watching it with us and listening to us react to it. (laughs) That's a bit horrifying. Because it means you have to watch Other M? Yes. Oh, you don't know. You don't know yet. I know. You don't. And Crystal, you don't know. I'm going to not be sober for this shit. How bad could it be? That's a great question. How do you feel about the ca- character of Samus Aran at this point? She's pretty cool, right? Yeah, she's pretty cool. Get fucked. <laughs> okay. I, like, I know it's going to be bad, but how bad could it be? You, you, know, you know what? Onceler, you're right. You're right, and we're going to find out together. <laughs> I've seen some bad movies in my time. That's true, you have. <laughs> now, is I'm this... not saying it's worse than those. I'm not going to hype up how bad it is. There's two types of bad movies in my view. No, there's... there aren't, you lying ass. Okay, there's just one type, but I realize that most people think that there's two types of bad movies. <laughs> okay. One type is so bad it's good... Because you can participate in Boo. Yeah, and... that's that's me watching Birdemic. I okay. love Birdemic. And then the other type is like, this is just boring and sad. I am politically opposed to the concept of so bad it's good. I think that's a that's a that's a lie. That's a deceit. You would say that it's just a form of good. Yeah. Maybe oh. it's not the form that the author intended, but everyone's always interpreting movies in their own way. Well, we should also watch Birdemic together at some point. That's a very entertaining. Sure. But Other M, um, I don't know if you're going to find it entertaining. I, I mean, I'm not going to try to overhype how bad it is. It's easily the worst Metroid story. I'll leave it at that. With you two, Here, it me, should be fun. 
Let me go on my letterbox, find my one star ratings. Okay. What are the worst movies I've watched? Okay, okay, okay. Sort by lowest rating. Uh, Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. Is it worse than that? I've never watched a Deuce Bigelow movie. Is it worse than uh, Dragon Ball Z, Plan to Eradicate the Super Saiyans? Wait, which one is Plan to Eradicate the Super Saiyans? It's the OVA that was a tie-in to a video game. Is that the one with Vegeta's little brother? No, 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 no. That's the one with uh, the the Truffles people, the Tuffles. Oh, the GT tie-in. Yeah, well, GT came later. Shit, I don't, I don't know. I, I that's another one I haven't seen. Just start listing off your one stars. I'll let you know if I've seen it. Uh, Riddick, twenty thirteen. Really? Wow. That movie fucking sucks. Nothing happens. The Chronicles of Riddick, the one where a guy pulls another guy's soul out and says, "I'll take your soul." No, no, no. The Chronicles of Riddick is a great movie. I'm talking about the sequel to that movie. Oh, I never saw that. I'm sorry. It fucking sucks. Uh, the 2022 documentary, This Place Rules. That, that sounds like false advertising. Uh, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. <gasps> oh, yeah, I'd say it's worse than Rogue One pretty easily. Okay. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was but The TV show? Yeah. I'd actually put it on pretty close to the same level. <laughs> Okay, that's pretty bad. Uh, Batman Return of the Caped Crusaders. Return the animated of the sequel to Batman 66. I have never saw it. It's not good. Uh, Hellraiser 2022. Really? I thought you enjoyed Hellraiser. Hellraiser, the original's great. They didn't do good with girl Pinhead? No. Oh, that sucks. They kept cutting away and not focusing on the gore. Oh, that doesn't go very well with the aesthetic of Hellraiser. That's, that's, what, that's the whole thing. Uh, Werewolf by Night. Uh, you have, you gotta keep in mind, I don't watch many movies anymore, because we're not really mostly movie-watching people, so just keep going. 30 Days of Night, The Gray Man, Max Reload, and The Nether Blasters. <laughs> what the fuck? It's a, it's an Amazon film. And finally, Superman Red Sun. Really? Red Sun was that goddamn bad? It wasn't, it wasn't great. Well, I, I would definitely say that it's about the same quality level as the Disney Plus original television series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, that's going to be a rough one. I mean, we'll see, right? It's only, yeah, uh, we'll see. It's only like two and a half hours, so it's not nearly as long as Kenobi. Cameron, would, do we have Metroid emails? Um, We do have one or two. We also have a Twitter question from friend of the show, Alex. Okay. And they wanted to ask us... How many sequence breaks did you stumble upon? I don't remember. Maybe I stumbled upon some and didn't realize it, but I don't remember sequence breaks. I think the only one that I did, and it was on my second playthrough, was getting the Morph Ball and the Morph Ball Bomb before Kraid so I could jump into his belly willy and blow him up from the inside. Oh, that's good. Oh, it's so good. I think for me, I saw some things, but I couldn't take advantage of them. Like... I don't know if I uncovered the bomb slot, but I couldn't utilize it with Kraid. And there was that area in the watery place right on top of it where you can run on top of the blocks. Look, I, I've shoved everything out of my head about this game. Yeah. But it, I think it's a sequence break place if you can time things right. That makes and sense. That makes sense. I definitely could not, but I was like, hey, could you? We're not very strong sequence breakers. No. I did sequence break in Super Metroid by getting to Kraid early. Accidentally. Accidentally. But, um, yeah, in this one, I only did the belly explosion, which they obviously planned for. Okay, uh, 
We should have at least a couple of Metroid questions in the emails, but not a lot of them. So let's see here. I'm going to I'm going to break a little bit with previous policy of the Book of Medora podcast email sec- section and suggest that we should try to limit the length of the emails that we read on here. Sure. Yeah. Let's condense. We've condensed before, actually. Okay, so... Get out the core question or statement. We will read it, but we will be condensing it on the podcast. Yes. Okay, so give me just a second here to look through this uh, email by regular uh, listener writer Jason, who sends in what he calls a true and good Metroid timeline. Um, For Metroid 1, the events are as depicted. In Metroid 2 on the Game Boy, the Game Boy version is the canon, and the events are as depicted. There's no fighting alongside the hatchling. There's no fighting Ridley, anything like that. Super Metroid. This probably isn't real. It's basically ghost written by a publicist that Samus hired. Ah, okay. The Chozo are not real. They were made up by the Federation for the cover for their horrific experiments and to add a bit of mystique to the Samus character in that ghost writing. Okay. Um... Metroid Prime 1 to 3 didn't happen. They are propaganda pieces put out by the Federation to demonize entire species as space pirates to justify a genocidal war. You've got me on again. Yes. Metroid Fusion actually happens mostly uh, the way it's described. Because once Samus is used to being a rich and famous hero, their Federation's incompetence offends Samus so bad that she publishes Fusion as a tell-all story trying to smear the Federation. Wow. Zero Mission is pro-Federation propaganda, and Other M is a smear piece released by the Federation to smear Samus's good name. <laughs> and Samus Returns and Metroid Dread are propaganda pieces released in tandem by both parties— because they finally agreed on how they should work together using Samus as a figurehead for whatever it is they want to do. This is a lot to take in, Jason. So they are actually all in the same timeline. They're just fictionalized accounts within that timeline. So this this is positing a world in which the the average uh, John Q. taxpayer is really up to date on military operations. Yeah, or at least they know the stories that they're being told. I think that... The elegance of this timeline as posited is that by making these stories, which are uh, being fed out, you you can accept the little variances as they are being told. Little variances? Big variances. <laughs> it turns out that the Federation is also bad at writing internally consistent propaganda. Right. And, you know, the Chozo and their appearance, too, there's an elegant solution for it. Hey... This is entirely made up. But that would be a lot of things entirely made up. I, I think my issue was that with it is it's not made up enough. Because mm. when I think about, like, American propaganda, you can just kind of say anything about, like, North Korea or Iran. I mean, the, the bit where they made up the whole bit about the space pirates to justify blowing up a planet. And they also, like, made up everything about the Phazon to explain why... Uh, some Federation soldiers were shooting civilians. That all rings pretty true. Okay. But why did they blow up the planet? Oh, they were just doing a genocide. But to what end? What do you mean? Well, usually when you do a genocide, it's to get people out of the way so that you can then use the resources of their land. Yeah, I think that's what was happening. They wanted to mine the planet that they lived on. 
But in this case, they're blowing up the planet. Yeah, but you can mine the space chunks. They're making okay. a space highway and the planet's in the way. That could be it, too. I always like stories where it's... Yeah, but that's real, is the thing. Like, that... People have been... Uh, yes. Actual highways. Yeah. Mm. This is not really too different from our concept of there being fake versions of each of the games that line up with the other games. Yeah. I'm, we, we'll, after we're done with these couple of emails, we'll go back and we'll talk about the continuity of Dread. We kind of forgot that. Okay. But uh, yeah, that that's that's a pretty reasonable timeline there, Jason. I like you cutting to the heart of it. I really, it would be nice if we saw a little bit more of civilian life in this universe. I don't think it would ever come to pass. Like one of my desires is to see Samus on an inhabited planet shopping or something. Like in the endings to Zero Mission Refusion. Right. We won't see it, but you know, it'd be kind of neat. And that's where your, your timeline could really be cemented in. If we consider the trends of gaming since 2007, it's not out of the question that Metroid Prime 4 would be some kind of open world game with a populated hub area. I mean, that is possible. We have no idea what Metroid Prime 4 is supposed to look like at this point. We know it's been developed for seven years. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we are coming right up on that anniversary, aren't we? And it's been four years since it was rebooted at Retro Studios. Mm-hmm. Is that a Switch 2 game at this point? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know nothing no more. We got an email here uh, from Charlotte. Hello, all. In light of the Chozo archives in Dread that shows the Maquin soldiers capturing a Kraid creature, do you think it is possible that the dead guy by the Kraid door in Super Metroid is one of Ravenbeak's Maquin soldiers? That would explain why their armor looks similar to Samus's and would explain the goop coming out of the armor as dead X that they had been infected by. The timeline of events is weird if this is the case, but it's also weird if that's not the case, so I'm sure you could make it work. Worst case scenario, this is a mocking soldier from an alternate fifth Metroid that came out on N64 in like 2000. You know, our listeners are really in tune with our bullshit in a way that I'm not completely comfortable with. (laughs) Yeah. They listen to the show. They do listen to the show. So this is not outside the realm of possibility, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think that they'd be X, because X getting loose on Zebus would have made for a very different game. Mm-hmm. But a mocking soldier? Sure. I don't think that it has to be a mocking soldier, but it just being mocking. Yeah, that, that, that could make a certain well, sense. The are almost entirely soldiers. No, I mean, like, it doesn't have to be there to capture Kraid, I mean. Ah, uh, but it is conveniently right outside of his room. Yes. So it could have been a mocking soldier who was there to deliver Kraid. Mm. Yes. From to, their facilities. To harmonize with your assertion that the space pirates are run by... Ravenbeak mm-hmm. and the Maquis. But what about the goop coming out of his armor as being dead X? No, I don't think so. If it was X, okay. there would be a lot more problems yeah. on Sebus. I mean, I would just assume that uh, the goop coming out of the armor is rotted flesh, liquefying. The space pirates okay. aren't very tidy. But I, I do like that idea. Pointing out that it could be a mocking. Thank you, Charlotte. I'm, uh, let me double check here. 19 months late to thanking you, but I am thanking you. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Charlotte. Okay. Um, what other Metroid emails do we have? That actually, okay. We got an email from a different Charlotte. And let me go over this real quick to see if I need to shorten it. Basically, uh, Charlotte asks, when do we think Samus figured out that Ravenbeak was impersonating Adam? Now, Charlotte clarifies that 
even though a lot of people figured Samus figured it out pretty early, that seems a bit weird that she was continuing checking in with a fake Adam at so many points throughout the rest of the game. So wh- when do we think this happened? I think immediately. <laughs> Just instantly? Yeah. Like you did. He didn't end up with Lady. No, I didn't figure it out instantly. <laughs> How about you, Crystal? I did not figure it out instantly. I was also fooled like Monica. Um, here's the thing is that when Samus, in that scene where he reveals himself, Samus shoots the computer. Why wouldn't she do that earlier? I think that she is genuinely trapped on the planet. And there's a giant, there there are often giant kill switches around planets. So there is a play along sort of uh, thing that she was going for. So you can at least get okay. to the point where you're at a spot where you can escape the planet before it explodes. Yes, or recommunicate with the ship. And she gen- genuinely cares for some of the things that she's interacting with, like seeing Quiet Rose. So she doesn't have to add any input. Like, Ravenbeak is just off talking <laughs> each time, and she's like, uh-huh, 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 okay, go here and do this thing. Well, yes, I would do that anyway, sure. That makes sense to me, because if Samus has such a close relationship with Adam, she wouldn't be fooled. Yeah. Even through a robot voice. He stopped calling her lady. And, you know, the, the um, yeah, the whole any objections thing. Charlotte also asks, Also, what are your thoughts on Samus supposedly getting more aggressive because of the awakened Metroid DNA? Is Metroid 6 going to turn Samus into an edgy antihero like Dexter Morgan or a straight village like Walter, villain like Walter White? Hold on. Dexter Morgan, that uh, serial killer? That's right. Is he an edgy anti-hero? He's a serial killer. That show or book went weird places. I believe the premise of Dexter is that he only kills other serial killers. Are there that many goddamn serial killers? Um, cop shows there are. That's true. I guess at its heart, Dexter is ultimately a cop show. I'm not overly fond of serial killer glorification uh, media. And was roped into watching the first season of Dexter. And I think I read some of the Wikipedia. When the fuck was that? A few years ago. I wasn't, I did not like it. I wasn't partaking in this. When was it? Years back. I don't know how old the show is. But um, if I remember correctly, outside of the first season, it might not be in the actual TV show. In the books, there is actually like this spiritual killer thing. That is inhabiting in Dexter. I'm sorry. And like, it's like, I'm probably getting this very wrong, but it's sort of like Attack on Titans, where everybody is Titans or can commune with that part of them. I don't know. There is something really weird that's just beyond the regular serial killer plot. Everyone is serial killers. There's something. Let's look up. Okay. I'm looking it up. In the novel series, Dexter's Dark Passenger is (laughs) is a literal demon born of Moloch who latched himself onto his soul when Dexter was a child. Well, in the television series, there's simply an aspect of Dexter's own psyche. I think I prefer the demon version. (laughs) Born of Moloch is so specific. It kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, it sounds like it came out of nowhere. Which version do you like, Crystal? I guess I prefer Moloch. Here's the thing. I don't like serial killer fiction that's from a cop perspective. I like it when it's like a a manga about a yandere girl. Oh, you want it from the... Uh, serial killer's perspective. Yeah. How do you feel about Monster? Monster's pretty good. It's true that that's not really from a cop's perspective. It is a little bit, but not really. Yeah. Do we think that Samus Aran is going to turn into Garrus Vicarian in Metroid 6? 
no. <laughs> that that was the most disgusted sounding no that I've heard you say. I'm I am disgusted by Garrus Vicarian as a character. I, was was he that bad in in Mass Effect Two? Yeah, because he was just standing around shooting poor people and claiming that he was helping everyone. Uh. <laughs> you know what they say on Omega: you fire bullet in any direction, you can hit a criminal. Yeah, that is what they say. Says Garrus, sitting right next to the fucking kindergarten. I just. Uh, I don't. I don't understand. Garrus is kind of, I guess, cute, but cop brain beyond cop brain. Yeah, he does have terminal cop brain. Well, except in like the end. Well, he goes Punisher brain, which is like a very extreme version of cop, cop brain. Of cop brain, but then he goes military brain, which is another form of extremely cop brain. Yeah, in Mass Effect 3, when he starts being, like, a military advisor, I'm like, you don't know anything about this shit. When have you done any of this before? He's really good at shooting civilians, so the people who are taken over by the oh. Reapers, he's real good at shooting them. Listen to me, if you romance Garrus Vicarian, I'm judging you. Thane is right there. <laughs> Thane is Thane right, is right there. there. Okay, that's the official Book of Medora <laughs> podcast uh, position. If you romance Garrus Vicarian... Why? Thane is right there. Ah. I'm glad that we've had this conversation. Garrus is cute. I, yeah, he has some moments that are cute. I think that's just about it for the Metroid emails. Okay, doke. Where Where is Metroid Dread on the timeline? Okay, so we figured that none of the Metroid games work with each other for various reasons. They're all like bubble continuities. But what Metroid Dread ties to do, tries to do is set up a version of the story where all of the Metroid games, or at least some version of them, could work together. The big thing that it does through its whole thing where Ravenbeak was behind it all and was cloning Kray the whole time is create a possibility space where Metroid 1 and Super Metroid can both happen. Is it fixing the timeline? Is it fixing the timeline? Or is it making it even weirder because it's really hard to figure out where Metroid 2 takes place in comparison to the ah, the X are attacking? So this game is a sequel to Metroid Samus Returns, which we have previously identified as being not really a completely different retelling of Metroid 2. Right. But where does Super Metroid fit? I mean, the only way Super Metroid works to me is if Ravenbeak was behind the Space Pirates and simply cloned all of them. Why? Uh, Metroids. Trying to make the perfect Metroids. Trying to get more Metroids. Because in Super Metroid, their whole point was just to clone Metroids and get some Metroids ultimately to Ravenbeak in this reading of the setting. And that's about all I've got. What do you make of it, Crystal? I want to hear your thoughts on the timeline because I feel like me and Monica have been going on and on and on this episode. So, Metroid 5, Metroid 1 and 3 basically don't matter to it. Metroid 2 matters, Metroid 4 matters. Okay. So, yeah, we can declare that maybe some version of the the conflict on Zebus occurred. But it doesn't really matter to this storyline. I suppose, yeah. As long as it lines up with 2 Remake and 4, which it pretty much does, that's a complete story right there. So you're saying it... But if we tried to make a timeline with one and three, say zero mission in Super Metroid, could we do it? 
So in my mind, Ravenbeak being behind it all kind of solves some of the weird ways that Metroid 3 is a remake of Metroid 1, but it doesn't actually add anything to this story, right? No, I... Like, you don't need it to make this story work. No. I mean, it, 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 it's sort of like... Yeah, all it really does is just give us another layer of Ravenbeak did it all. and it, it, would, it, would there be any problem with saying that the space pirates are an independent force? I guess in the context of this game, no. In the context of Super Metroid, yes, because it can't be on the same continuity as the first game. Remind me why. Where did this other mother brain come from? Well, we can see in this game there are many mother brains. I Yeah, but but that's without looking at just Metroid Dread. If we take Super Metroid and Metroid like just Super Metroid as she was released in 1994, the, the story doesn't make any goddamn sense. Where did Mother Brain come from? They grew Mother Brain from some leftover Mother Brain cells. I don't know. I'd have to go back and re-listen to our Super Metroid episode. I think we need to revisit the timeline because I think what we were trying to do, or at least what I was trying to do, was at least establish two segments where Metroid 1, for instance, takes place on one and Zero Mission takes place on the other and Zero Mission ties into Samus Returns. Something like that chronology, whereas Met- Metroid 2 would tie into Metroid 1. But no, there's there were issues with that too. It's been a while. Again, Zelda has pushed everything Metroid out of my head. Okay, here's my proposal. Timeline 1, Metroid, Metroid 2. The galaxy is safe. Timeline 2, alternate version of Metroid 1, alternate version of Metroid 2, Super Metroid. Mm. Timeline 3, <laughs> alternate version of Metroid's... One, Samus Returns, alternate version of Super Metroid, uh, M- Metroid Fusion, Metroid Dread. And then Zero Mission is on its own timeline. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd i lack the wherewithal at the moment to argue this point. You know, maybe Other M will fix it all. Oh. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for you to listen. Womp womp. Because it's basically a remake of Metroid Fusion, right? Yes, and it is also a direct a much more direct sequel to Super Metroid because it's a remake of Fusion, but it's also a prequel to Fusion. So it's a pre-make. Okay, so it's it's on timeline two that ends with Super Metroid. Oh, it's on that timeline. Oh, oh, don't 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 come to any conclusions just yet. We'll see how it okay. goes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> God. Okay. Look, we don't have to. Oh, should we should we do all the Tears of the Kingdom episodes before we yes. do? Before we watch other M. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Back to Medora. We're doing it. Oh, um, we did get one more question near the end of the recording. So let's 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 close off before we do all of our sign outs with this question mm-hmm. from Rob Million, a sent on Twitter. How do you feel about the whole Ravenbeak father thing? Personally, I liked it better when the reason she was so skilled was because she was trained by the Chozo, and not just you're strong because you have my blood in you crap. Well, it was always part of that story that she was injected with Chozo DNA. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and the content, in the paratext where Samus was raised by the Chozo, she did always have a little bit of that Chozo in her. I think that on this day of days... Father's Day. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, It is good to reflect that the statement was by Bad Dad Ravenbeak, 
and is specifically written in a way to infuriate and incite the player to push back against that much as the this is your destiny you know you must you know just serve or or submit you know uh, no objections whatever we as the player go no samus and i am awesome and also fuck you and also eat this gun (laughs) or this metroid hand i think that samus is a gumbo anyway Everything that was in the fridge, they have thrown into Samus. Yes. She is a mix of so many different things that DNA becomes a metaphor for teachings and cultural heritage. So I don't think that this little extra bit like impugns upon her personhood. Ravenbeak was not speaking the truth. He might believe that, but that's not what makes Samus strong or good. Yeah, of course. But even if it contributed in some way, again, that just means that his culture has some influence on her, too. And it does, because she was raised by the Chozo. But I, I don't think that it's bad. What, 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 what's your larger take on it, Crystal? So I guess for me, I don't really have that much attachment to Samus as a character. Right. I understand why other people do because she's like the one woman you can play as in Nintendo games. That's tr- that's pr- that's pretty close to true. But like asserting that she is badass by her own will just puts her on par with every other video game character. Like I am kind of into the way Dread really hones in on the genetic engineering aspect of Metroid where there's just all sorts of fucked up experiments that are all running into each other. Oh yeah. Well, if you like that element, have I got the game for you. It's Other Rim. <laughs> it's Other Rim. It's Other Rim. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Arcane Crystal. You can also find me on Patreon at Arcane Crystal, where you can listen to these episodes a week early. And, who knows, maybe some kind of exclusive thingy in the future. On AudioEntropy.com, where we are hosted, there are other podcasts I'm on, such as Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast where I play a teenage detective with a little ghost called an Eidolon that follows him around. And on um, Show Me the Batcave, the latest sub-series of MCU Complete Me, where we talk about movies that got Batman in them. Oh my gosh. How's that going? It's going pretty good. Luke didn't like Man of Steel, but I did. Well, that's it's important to have balance sometimes. Mm-hmm. Was Batman in Man of Steel? Um, no. He wasn't in that one, but he will be in the next one. Uh, he was retconned into the city in right, Batman v right. Superman. Don't you write, write me. You didn't see that movie. No, and I never will. It's it's an okay flick. It's got some good ideas. How many stars do you give it on your thingy? I gave it three stars. That's pretty high. Yeah, that's right in the middle. Oh, I mean, that's a that's an all right kind of flick. Yeah, it's a positive score. Now to, to, this is for Batman v Superman. Yes. And what you get for Man of Steel? Give that one three stars. Oh, okay. Those are pretty reasonable. What do you give the Snyder Cut of uh, Justice League? Five stars. Damn. You know, we might actually end up having to watch that one. It's a good flick. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cam Ryder. I don't read my timeline, though, so don't at me. And uh, if you want to send podcast emails, we will get around to reading them. Um, but they might be shortened if you send one that's too long. And you can send them to Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Once more, Book of Medora Podcast at gmail.com. Start sending in the Tears of the Kingdom stuff. Oh, we've got a few. 
Crystal. Would you like to close out with a Metroid joke? Yes. Uh-huh. I might have read this one before, but it's fine. This comes in from reddit.com slash Metroid. From Reddit user uh, Radiance posted in the thread, No Any Good Metroid Jokes? I would tell you a Metroid joke, but it ran out of them. Yay! Uh, that one's insane. Okay. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.